you'll go into different places throughout your life where you'll see a sign on the wall that says, now wash your hands. Now wash your hands. Uh, it's a message in many public toilet places. It's good to get the physical dirt and grime off our hands so that we're not making everything we touch dirty. And of course, COVID reminded us that there's a whole unseen realm of uh, viruses, parasites, bacteria that can be passed on just by touching infected things. And our hands can look clean, but actually they're little transmission zones. And that's why we all, we're all, you know, we're all, we all want to get that cleanser now. Don't we want to wash our hands, cleanse our hands from alcohol or something like that? Each year, a number of children get very ill after visiting petting zoos. Beware from touching and stroking the animals and then popping their little fingers in their mouths. You can pick up salmonella, E. coli, giardia infections. Oh, fantastic. It's horrible, actually. Have you ever had giardia? I've had giardia. What an awful thing it is to have. I won't describe it because it's, it's not the place to describe it. And, you know, if, if you don't treat these conditions, dirt can lead actually to death. And you know, the wonderful, simple way that you deal with all these potential problems is please now wash your hands. Soapy water, good hand washing technique will go a long way to keeping you healthy and clean. And this is something that God taught Israel through his instructions about the tabernacle. We began to consider it a few weeks ago. So I want you to open your Bibles to Exodus chapter 30, and you'll find that on page um, 89 in the church Bibles. If you don't have a church, if you don't have a Bible, put your hand up. I'm sure someone will bring one to you, but it'll be great to have it in front of you. Page 89. I'm going to read from chap, uh, verse 17 of chapter 30. Then the Lord said to Moses, Make a bronze basin with its bronze stand for washing. Place it between the tent of meeting and the altar and put water in it. Aaron and his sons are to wash their hands and feet with water from it. Whenever they enter the tent of meeting, they shall wash with water so they will not die. Also, when they approach the altar to minister by presenting food offering to the Lord. They shall wash their hands and feet so they will not die. This is a lasting ordinance for Aaron and his descendants for all generations to come. Now turn over to chapter 38 and verse 8. Very intriguing little detail in here. We may run out of time before I explain it, but we'll see how we go. Chapter 38, verse 8. They made the bronze basin and its bronze stand from the mirrors of the women who served at the entrance of the tent of meeting. And then turn over to chapter 40 and verse 30. Chapter 40, verse 30. He placed 
the basin between the tent of meeting and the altar and put water in it for washing. And Moses and Aaron and his sons used it to wash their hands and feet. They washed whenever they entered the tent of meeting or approached the altar as the Lord commanded Moses. This is God's word. And if you turn back to chapter 25, just give you the big picture of what we're doing here. Chapter 25, verses 8 and 9. Through Moses, God invited the Israelites to give of their resources and their skills to build this special tent as a sanctuary for God to dwell among them. So if you look at chapter 25, verse 8 and 9, then let them make a sanctuary for me, and I will dwell among them, make this tabernacle and all its furnishings exactly like the pattern I will show you. So they were living in tents as they wandered from Egypt towards the promised land, and God said, look, I want to dwell amongst you, build a tent for me, and um, these are the instructions of what his tent is to be like. It's to be exactly like the pattern he, he gave it, which is to say that there, there's significance to all the details here, which is why we're taking time to slow down and have a look at it. And to try and understand the, the tabernacle, we're just imagining what it would be like to live in one of those tents of the people of Israel as you wander through the wilderness. You know, you'd get out of the tent in the morning, you'd look to the center of the camp, and the, you, there's no doubt where the main focus is because there's a big tent in the center. There's a courtyard, uh, an eight-foot courtyard, tent around the outside of it. There's a cloud above the, the tabernacle tent because this is where God is dwelling among you. And God has made a way that his people could draw near to him in this tabernacle. Uh, we've thought about the fact you could only enter in through the, uh, the east gate, the beautiful gate. And as you kind of walk through the gate, you, you, the first thing you're going to see is this altar, the altar of sacrifice. You're going to be smelling roast lamb and roast beef and, uh, as, this, as these animal sacrifices are kind of on the fire in front of you. Now, beyond the, the altar, which we considered last time we got together, you'll see another piece of furniture. And the next thing you're going to see is a bronze wash basin. Now, what's it for? What was Israel being taught by seeing that as the next thing? Well, what we're going to consider today is what it foreshadowed and then the reality of what we have in Jesus today. So let's think about what it foreshadowed. And quite simply, it was explained there in chapter 30. The bronze basin that stood on this bronze stand was filled with water for washing. This piece of furniture was kind of a reminder for the need for continual cleansing and cleanness of those who served in God's tabernacle as priests. Uh, in chapter 29, you can read how Aaron and his sons were consecrated to be priests in this tabernacle. At initiation, the very beginning of their priestly ministry, it began with them being thoroughly washed with water from this bronze basin before the tabernacle. And then, every time after that, before entering 
the, the tabernacle tent to serve God or going from the tent to the altar of sacrifice, they would walk past the bronze basin. And the bronze basin was a big sign to them, now wash your hands. You need fresh cleansing for your hands and your feet if you're about to be the work of ministering and serving God. Our, our hands are unclean because we do things that are wrong. Our feet are unclean because we go where we should not go. And we walk through a world that is full of sin. And our lips are unclean because we say the wrong things. And before we approach God and serve God, we must be cleansed. Did you watch the coronation yesterday? I did. I thought it was absolutely fascinating. Uh, one thing you, you may have noticed is that nobody was wearing dirty clothes. Did you notice that? Everyone was looking at their pristine best. No one turned up with dirty faces or dirty hands because they were there in the presence of God and to honor the king by being the very best. So to approach the Lord God required all the dirt, both physical and spiritual, to be cleansed and removed to stand before him. So just think about uh, Psalm 24, verse 3 to 4. King David wrote this, Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god. See, this cleansing was not simply about washing away physical blood and dirt. It wasn't just a hygiene issue of dealing with um, bacteria or things like that. It was about the need for moral cleansing, for spiritual washing. Now, in the time of Jesus, there was a group of very religious uh, Jews called the Pharisees. And while they were not priests, they determined that they would live as if they were priests, that they would live in a constant state of consecration before the Lord. And so they took the business of washing their hands very seriously. And um, you can read about it in Mark chapter 7. And there you see that they criticized the disciples of Jesus because um, they were not washing their hands before eating, that they thought you should do that. Now, it's not a health concern, as I said. It's, it's more about a spiritual health concern. How could they eat with spiritually unclean hands? Now, Jesus, you can read this in Mark 7, he challenged their hypocrisy. And then he taught them about what real spiritual defilement was about. And it's not ultimately about what you touch with your hands. It's not ultimately about the problems outside of you. It's the problem from inside of you. So let me remind you from Mark chapter 7. Nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them. Rather, it is what comes out of a person that defiles them, Jesus says. For it is from within, out of a person's heart, the evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. Sin and evil comes from our hearts and it leaves a stain that defiles. 
And our great problem is not only that we're in a world where there's plenty of defiling sin and moral filth about, but there's already a corruption deep within our hearts. Since Adam sinned, we were all born with this rebellious, sinful nature, unclean hearts. And when those evil, sinful thoughts come out of us into the external world, they spoil the world around us, don't they? Uh, we are defiling the environment around us. We're defiling others. We're defiling ourselves. We've thought about it. you can't see germs and viruses with our naked eyes, but you can still have infections on your hand that can make you ill. It's kind of like that. When we lie, when we steal, when we're violent, when we abuse others, when we hate, when we slander, that not only makes us guilty before God, but it infects us. It stains us. It's spiritual pollution. We can't see it, but we do know that our words and actions do change the world around us. When people quarrel, the happy atmosphere is spoiled and everybody gets a bit tense, don't they, and gloomy because sin has entered into the environment and it has a polluting effect. When we brood on spiteful thoughts, when we stoke on revenge and envy in our hearts, it makes, it makes us sour on the inside and uh, can cause real stress and injury to our health. But also too, you know, when we've been sinned against, whether that's experiencing physical abuse, but especially if we've experienced sexual abuse, there is a deep sense that not only something evil has been done, but its effects remain on us. People talk of feeling violated, defiled, feeling like dirt. There can be a deep sense of shame, even though the victim is entirely innocent of the evil that has assaulted them. And the wonderful thing is that this wash basin directly spoke to that. It is a reminder of the spoiling and defiling nature of sin, that we need cleansing, we need the stain removed, we need to be purified, we need to be washed clean. But the wash basin also pointed to the fact that there is a gracious provision by God for our cleansing. Cleansing is possible. So let's think about that, the provision of cleansing. What an encouraging thought this is. God has made a way. We can be cleansed. We can be washed so that we can draw near to him. In this journey outside uh, in the tents, through the beautiful gate, we go past the altar of sacrifice where there's an atonement for our sins. And beyond that, there is a place of washing to make us fit to come into the very presence of God. Psalm 51, David says this, Cleanse me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Now wash your hands. There's a way, you see, that we can have the penalty of sin removed. This is the altar of sacrifice. And there is a way that we can have the defilement of sin cleansed at the basin. This spiritual possibility is foreshadowed 
in the furniture and the operation of the, of the tabernacle and then on into the temple. But all pointed forward, of course, to the reality that is Jesus Christ. Let's think about the good things that are now here because of Jesus. And this is where we need to understand that the provision of Christ's sacrifice also purchases us being washed clean by his Holy Spirit. See, water can uh, only cleanse our bodies. It, it can't reach our hearts. Remember, that's where Jesus says the problem is located. It's, it's a fundamental problem. Out of the heart comes evil thoughts. And remember, when the Bible talks about our hearts, it doesn't mean the organ that's pumping the blood. It's a biblical way of describing the true you, the, the inner self, the, the personality, the place of your will and affections. And the problem is so deeply rooted in us. We do sinful things because we are deep down fundamentally sinners. Our sinful nature kind of oozes into every aspect of our being. Our thinking, our desires, our actions, it spoils even the best parts of ourselves. And to cleanse our hearts from spiritual defilement, we need a very deep spiritual power to transform our very selves. To change us from the inside out. Now Ezekiel, the prophet, promised a day when this would happen. Uh, so Ezekiel chapter 36 and verse 24, he says this to the scattered uh, uh, tribes of Israel at that point in the exile. For I will take you out of the nations and I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I'll put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and to be careful about keeping my laws. That's the amazing promise from Ezekiel. And then move on in history. There's John the Baptist, the last prophet of the Old Testament. And he points directly to Jesus as the one who would accomplish this cleansing, this heart transformation. So Mark chapter 1, verse 7. This is the message of John the Baptist. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. This is the great transforming cleansing that we need, that Jesus brings about as by his sacrifice he enables the Spirit to be poured out. This is part of the good thing that has now come. This is what conversion is about. This is what we talk about when you say being born again or regeneration. Jesus is transforming people's lives. He's making them brand new from the inside out. Christians are those who've been born again by the Spirit of God coming into their lives. Now the Apostle Paul uh, describes this amazing transformation. It was read to us earlier in the service from Titus chapter 3. And he says about himself, what kind of man was he before he was saved? And how did this conversion come about? Well, let me read to you again from Titus chapter 3. 
This is what he was like before. At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of righteous things we have done, but because of his mercy. I love Bryn Terfel calling out to the Lord to have mercy in Welsh. That was a beautiful bit of service. It was out of his mercy that God did this. And it goes on to Titus. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior. This is what Jesus is doing in people's lives today. He takes foolish, deceived people, people who are enslaved by their own desires and their pleasures, those whose lives are marked by malice and envy and hatred, and he saves us from all of that. Saves us from the penalty of our sins and saving us from the power of those sins within our lives. He gives us a new spiritual transformation. It's like a new birth. He washes us. He renews us by his Holy Spirit so that we can become the children of God. We can draw near to God as those who are forgiven and cleansed. This is what the bronze basin is pointing us forward to. God's saving power by his Holy Spirit bringing that cleansing to our lives and causing us to be born again. So how do you receive the Holy Spirit? Well, the Bible says it happens at the time that you trust in the Lord Jesus. You can see this in Acts chapter 10, verse 44, in the account of how uh, a Roman centurion became a Christian. It's when, uh, while Peter was preaching the good news about Jesus, while he was speaking those words, the Holy Spirit says, came on all who heard the message. See, as we repent of our sins and we put our trust in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins, the Holy Spirit has come in and cleanses us. This is what Peter kept preaching. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, and you will receive the Holy Spirit. And what we're taught and reminded about in the the book of Exodus is that there's kind of two stages of cleansing, isn't there? There is an initial moment of cleansing. Remember the first point where the priests began their initiation? They were completely washed and consecrated to God. But then there was a need for ongoing washing. Every time they walked backwards and forwards past this bronze basin, washing their hands and their feet. I think this is a great illustration of conversion. See, the cleansing that we receive takes place once and for all at conversion. So Paul can tell the the Christians in Corinth, but you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. But there's a place for ongoing cleansing after that takes place. And you see that in the amazing event of Jesus washing his disciples' feet. So turn to John's Gospel, chapter 13. And you're going to find that on uh, page 1081, 1081, John chapter 13. 
And as I read, notice the difference between being bathed all over, which is conversion, and washing the feet, which is a daily cleansing of our lives by the Word of God applied by the Holy Spirit. So chapter 13, verse 1. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father put all things under his power, and that he'd come from God, he was returning to God, so he wrapped a towel round his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter and said to him, Lord, you're going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then, Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, those who've had a bath need only to be washed their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that's why he said not everyone was unclean. It was clean. So all this took place on the night before the cross. Jesus was about to humble himself in a far greater way than merely washing their feet. He would be crucified for their sins. In a sense, his physical body would be covered in the filth of spitting and sweat and blood and tears in pain and agony. And he would bear the judgment of God for our sins in the darkness so that we can be cleansed and washed, forgiven and pardoned. There's no other way of forgiveness, my friends. Christ had to go to the cross. And when the Holy Spirit comes into our lives, as we repent and put our trust in Jesus, he connects us to Christ so that we are washed clean at our conversion. But having been washed and renewed by his Spirit each day, there's a choice, isn't it? Whether we're going to consecrate our lives to obey him. The Spirit is leading us away from sin to obedience. And as we read his word, we have an option. Are we going to go with the Spirit, obey his word, and know the purification, daily cleansing of being those who repent and believe the good news, freshly appropriating the work of Christ in our lives. You know, they were walked, walked through the dirty streets in those days, and uh, you might have had a nice bath before you're going for a nice meal somewhere else, but by the time you got there, your feet would be mucky. And Jesus says to them, I've got to wash your feet if you're going to have any part with me. So what he's saying to them is actually, if you want to be on mission with me, if you want to be in suitable service for God, you need to have daily cleansing. You need to have your feet washed. You need that ongoing cleansing. Even as we've been fully bathed and converted, we need daily cleansing because we're walking through a world that is full of moral filth. Be careful about how much moral filth you allow into your eyeballs. Be careful about where you go. Because it's everywhere, isn't it? And it wants to stick to you. And we know in our own hearts there's plenty of crud still in there. You know, even as forgiven people, there's still this sinful nature. And how horrible it is that 
spiteful things can come out of our mouths. Irritation, anger, envy, slander. We defile ourselves. But you know what? There's cleansing available. If we say we're out without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we, are, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. My friends, maybe you've been sinned against. Maybe you're sitting here with a profound sense of shame because you've experienced others sinning against you. You've been abused. And it haunts you. You feel unworthy. You feel broken. You feel dirty. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to purify us from all unrighteousness. That bronze basin is a reminder that the shame can be washed away. You can maybe be made perfectly cleansed and purified. Hold your head up. You're in service of King Jesus. You're welcome into his holy presence. He has made you fit to come. Isn't that wonderful? I'm so thankful there's cleansing every day. That's the beautiful thing about coming to his word, isn't it? I mean, the, the, the tabernacle points, at the, the, the points to the fact that there's cleansing by blood and there's cleansing by water. So the altar provided cleansing by blood and the basin cleansing by water. And it speaks of these two cleansings. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin, 1 John 1, 7. And then Ephesians 5, it says this, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. There is a cleansing from the defiling nature of sin. We can be start a day wiped clean, pristine, ready to serve him. The altar's about our justification. The basin's about our sanctification. The word of God, empowered by the Holy Spirit, if you obey it, you can purify yourselves, it says in 1 Peter. Now that you've purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so you have sincere love for one another, love one another deeply from the heart. What a beautiful picture that the tabernacle gives us. Because of Christ, we can approach the most holy God. Guilt gone. Dirt removed. Made fit and ready for his service. Are you going to live in that consecration in this week ahead? It is yours, brothers and sisters. Bought at great cost. Are we going to live day by day with the fresh cleansing and washing with water? We can do so because of Christ. I'm going to invite the band to come up front and let's pray. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord, who may stand in his holy place, the one who has clean hands and a pure heart.
who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god. Oh, Father God, we, we know that of ourselves we could not stand in your holy place. And yet you have made full provision for us through your Son. How we praise you that he purifies us from all our sins. That his once for all perfect sacrifice pays for each one of our sins. Father, we want to thank you that you've poured out your Holy Spirit to us. Out of your mercy, you have saved us. That you've washed us clean. That we're sanctified. That we're justified. How we thank you that we can worship you. Lord, would you help us to live in the good of all this, to live consecrated lives in this week ahead that would be useful. We ask this in Christ's precious name. Amen. Let's stand and sing. <coughs>